0: Everyone has an opinion, but he's got the Von Hessler Doctrine. Eric Von Hessler on WSB.
1: Live from Sherwood Forest, hour one of the Von Hessler Doctrine begins now. I am the aforementioned Eric Von Hessler. The whole gang is with me, all the doctrinaires. English Nick is here. Hello, sir. Autumn Fisher is here. Hello. And the handsomest producer in all producery, and I'm lucky enough to get to look at him for the next two hours. <laughs> Jared Yamamoto is here. What's up, guys? Uh, it's, I'm feeling good. It's Super Bowl Sunday. We've got a 10 on the Mellish meter. So let's start the show the way we always do. In just one moment, as soon as the sound clip comes up, we're going to start the show like this Headlines of the week. All right, Jared Yamamoto. Yeah, so. It. It, in, it indeed has been a week, so fill me in. You know, when I'm not here, people may not realize this. But I sleep in a coffin in my basement during the week, and I emerge on Sunday mornings to find out what the news has been. So
2: fill me in. Well, luckily, this news is from last night, where Manchester, New Hampshire, hosted the eighth Republican debate of Campaign 2016. Now I uh, have to now I lied a little bit because I was
1: actually up <laughs> last night. I did, in fact, watch the debate, and man, oh man, I have to say something. I can't. The, the whole question here is whether the Marco momentum. As they say, <laughs> was slowed, and I've got a I've got a feeling that maybe it, it, it kind of was. I think that Marco, it's 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 like you're watching a, a a prize fight, right? And the guy that you think is the best fighter gets knocked very woozy in the first round. That's what happened to Marco <laughs> Rubio last night. Yeah. I mean, going in now, and I can't believe that he didn't have the ability. To deal with this, because Chris Christie, who was the one who landed that blow on his face that knocked him woozy early on, had been telegraphing since he got to New Hampshire what his strategy was. Like we all know that Marco Rubio coming out of Iowa was starting to get all that what we call establishment momentum, the donors, everything, and that's the Chris Christie lane, that's the John Kasich lane, that's the Jeb Bush lane. And from the time they left Iowa, on the stump. Chris Christie had been calling Marco Rubio, the boy in the plastic bubble. He just has these memorized 25-second sound bites, and if he, if you peel it back a little bit, he's got nothing to say. So Rubio should have known this was coming. So I'll set up this little clip that I have here. If you didn't see it, Rubio, one of the first things that he said was this really intelligent thing. I thought it was an angle that he said, I'm tired of hearing about how... Barack Obama doesn't, doesn't know what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He's systematically changing the country in this way and the other way. And then Christie hits him with the fact that it's a canned soundbite and Rubio walks right into the trap
2: and repeats himself. Those are the facts. Here's the bottom line. This notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing is... So remember, remember, he had already said this. This is early in the
1: debate. Rubio had already said these words. Christie says, he doesn't. all he does is memorize these words, and it's all canned. And as a response to that,
2: Rubio repeats himself. Those are the facts. Here's the bottom line. This notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing is just not true. There it is. He knows exactly what he's doing. There it is, the memorized 25-second speech. That's the the reason why this campaign is so important.
1: I, I I was stunned. Let me say something to Marco Rubio's people. I don't know why they would be in Atlanta. (laughs) They've got a big primary coming up in New Hampshire. Perhaps there's a friend out there who can give him a call. They tune
3: in every week.
1: Of course they do, as everyone in the nation does.
3: Check the temperature of what's going on with the people that matter.
1: That's right, the Atlanta radio host. We have our finger (laughs) on the pulse of everything. (laughs) Let me just say, Marco Rubio, you're, you're bright, you're young, you do have momentum. This is what you need. You need to take an improv class. I mean, you need to be able to think on your feet. And if somebody comes at you and says your speeches are canned and all you do is just memorize words and then you respond by repeating yourself,
2: that's ugly. Those are the facts. Here's the bottom line. This notion that Barack Obama doesn't know what he's doing is just not true. There it is. He knows exactly what he's doing. There it is, the memorized 25-second speech. Well, that's the the reason why this campaign is so important.
3: Can I say something that bothers me, though, about the whole debate thing that's going on
1: oh yes i will give you 20 seconds go
3: the audience the audience needs to be i think it's turning it into like a wrestling match people are booing (laughs) they should just have they should you know it's like it's like a a 90s sitcom they should have all the different things like woo. like if something sexy happens i don't (laughs) have uh,
1: it's too much I don't have the clip here, but at the end, there was a Showtime at the Apollo moment. (laughs) where When when they were doing their... their, uh, Ted Cruz, in his final uh, presentation, was talking about how the vote in Iowa had proven that the media is not going to pick the next candidate, blah, 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 and they go to Donald Trump, and he says... Uh, 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 votes that he stole from Ben Carson, by the way, and then there was a shot from the side where, like Kasich and Jeb Bush, were like Showtime <laughs> at the Apollo, like, ow! woo,
3: <laughs> slam!
1: <laughs> it really is getting a little yeah, bit. All that's missing is canned
3: laughter. Is all that's missing on this thing? <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So uh, now here's something that really has bothered me about all of the debates so far, <laughs> and this one in particular. I was tweeting all night last night. I I started by saying, my first tweet of the night was, my guess is if you took a drink every time the $19 trillion debt is brought up in tonight's debate, you (laughs) won't get close to a buzz. And I was absolutely correct. How can it be that a country is $19 trillion in debt and it doesn't come up in any of the debates, really? All of the...
3: All of the candidates got together and put their pinkies in, and all pinkies (laughs) swore not to talk about it. Uh, Well, yeah, but that's what people
1: tell me. But the candidates don't ask the questions. The ABC moderators asked the questions, and they didn't ask the questions. So uh, if you watched that debate last night, and you love this guy, or maybe you're one of these people who thinks, you know, oh, Bernie Sanders with his free candy, $19 (laughs) trillion in debt. Can I lay a little something on you that maybe people don't think about? $1 trillion is a thousand billion dollars.
3: How much? That doesn't exist. One
1: (laughs) thousand billion dollars. I should (laughs) I should have been a game show host, I know. (laughs) That means if they printed such a thing as a billion dollar bill you would have to stack a thousand of them on top of each other to reach $1 trillion. (sighs) And we are $19 trillion in debt. And no one's asked Bernie. You got all these ideas. But when you walk in, you're already nearly 20. So let's do the math here. So $1,000 billion equals $1 $1 trillion. I'm not good with math, so hold my hand here, but am I right when I say that we are actually $19,000 billion dollars in debt? So if, you ha- if they printed such a thing as a billion dollar <laughs> bill, you would have to stack up 19000 of them to see the debt that is on the back of this country right now, and it doesn't come up? But heroin use in New Hampshire gets 10 minutes? You've got to be kidding me. I don't want anybody to be on heroin, but you're kidding me. 10 minutes on heroin use in New Hampshire and not one mention of the fact that we are 19,000 billion dollars in debt. Well, How is this not important? How is this not
2: debate worthy? Well, Bernie Sanders said that the Department of Happiness, which is going to be the first thing <laughs> that he creates, will fix all the debt. Yes, As absolutely. A-
1: Absolutely. If it's not a big deal, I want candidates to tell me it's not a big deal. I want candidates to say, because if I was standing up there and somebody said, don't worry about that, then I would say, is there a point that we do worry? $25 trillion in debt? 30 Can we go up to 40 I mean, th- this is more than an elephant in the room. It's, it's, it's everything. It's, 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 it's the room. the <laughs> room. And, and people are walking outside uh. and pretending, well, we don't need to go in the room. We'll just have class outside today. It's absurd, these things that these people uh, debate about, and no one's debating the most important thing. Also, I just,
3: it just doesn't the, make sense. I mean, it's just like way too much money. And you know what does bother me like all the time is the fact that I have to pay tuition out of my own pocket for my stupid college career.
1: That's our correspondent, Melanie, the millennial blogger there. And hey guys, <laughs> we appreciate your point of view. Uh, we're going to have Jamie Dupree in the next half hour, so we'll get deeper into the debate and all that. I don't want to be like Marco and just repeat myself the whole hour long, but I do. I will say this to Donald Trump: Note to Donald Trump, here's the reality: China's co- economy is collapsing right now. It's imploding. Can we debate real things? Here's another thing, Donald Trump. To remove 12 million people from the country in four years, you have to deport 8,200 people a day. How is that going to be done? Oh, nobody asked the question. All right, more of this nonsense when we return. WSB's Kirk Mellis is predicting a high around 55. And you know what that turns into, my friends? That's what we call the best of the best. It's a 10 on the Mellish meter. What? So get out there and move around before you... <laughs> Eat way too much and sit on your duff all night long watching the Super Bowl. This weather report brought to you by ShoeMate Air Conditioning and Heating. Before we get to another headline, I'm I'm scrolling through my own tweets as I was. What do they call that now? They got live tweeting. I was doing a real millennial kind of thing there, Jared. Yeah, That's, no, it's a big deal. Jared Yamamoto, English Nick, and Autumn Fisher here with me. So I was deal, Good job. Thank you, Miss Millennial. Thank you. <laughs> I was. I was. Uh, I was. <laughs> I was live tweeting, and uh, you know, at one point, the question was asked about this kid in North Korea. It's a student that's been taken hostage, basically, in North Korea. And they went on and on about it. And uh, my tweet was, Let me be unpopular here. What the hell is an American college student doing vacationing in North Korea? <laughs> Use your head. That was the most retweeted one that I put out there. I thought people would be slamming me for it. But I mean, honestly. Study abroad? No, he was just there for huh? New Year's or something. Is study abroad? Where are you going to go to North <laughs> Co- North Korea to study? Yeah, what kind of university <laughs> do they have? that's so well known. I mean, come on. If you, you can't put your country in this situation Mm-mm. where now all of a sudden, you know we, we've got a way, whether you agree with this administration, whether you want it to change to the next administration, we have a policy when it comes to North Korea. And the, uh, I think a couple of years ago, there were a couple of hikers that were taken. What are you doing hiking on the border of North Korea? What in the hell is the matter with you? And I hope everything works out for this kid. If I was his parent, I would be beside myself. I don't even know how I'd be Dealing with life, but I'm—I hate to blame the victim here, but uh, I'm blaming the victim. What the hell are you doing in North Korea? Can yeah.
2: we not send Dennis Rodman in? I mean, he—he's got you know good relations with Kim Jong Un. I mean, uh, now you
1: see that's a good idea. That's why one day I'm going to be voting for you, Jerry Yamamoto, as fake president of the United <laughs> States. <That's what laughs> also, Ted Cruz with the tapping of the podium, this, and here's, and here's. I mean, it's annoying when you have surround sound, as I do. It's like watching a Schwarzenegger movie. Stop it. Stop with the tapping of the podium. I'm not going to vote for you if you don't stop tapping the podium. And also, a debate rumor early on didn't turn out to be true, that they were saying that Carly Fiorina... Was gonna to try to force her way on stage by hiding in one of Rubio's ears. That didn't happen. <laughs> Thank you. I'll be working all week. Maybe she couldn't
0: get <laughs> the, out of the ear. The, Maybe
1: she was in there. It's possible. You know. Oh man. Rubio though. Rubio Rubio got roughed up by Christy. And here's the thing. I don't think Christie can uh, can really take advantage of it. I think it'd be somebody else if the momentum was kind of slowed. It it might be Kasich, because he's been in New Hampshire for so long. Maybe even Jeb Bush. But whoever does well because of what happened to Rubio last night, they owe a big kiss to Chris Christie, because he was like the offensive line. He's the one who took him out and opened the lane for someone else. I think it might be too late for Chris Christie. So uh, And and again, before we move on to the next story, it never came up. $19 trillion in debt. I'm going to repeat myself, a la Marco Rubio, one more time, because I think it's important. 1 trillion dollars <laughs> is 1000 billion dollars and it didn't come up we're 19,000 billion dollars in debt and you listening to me right now you don't care apparently let's just keep on spending <laughs> oh don't take my little thing away don't take my little program away take the other guy's program away night hey bernie you get him, you know, all this free candy and you're starting out. You're gonna walk into a candy store that is nineteen thousand billion dollars in debt.
3: Whatever.
1: I, <laughs> there's uh, our millennial blogger Melanie. She doesn't seem Hi. to care. You want free? No. You want? Who's gonna pay for the free schooling?
3: I don't know. Somebody's that's rich.
1: Let's look at Mark Zuckerberg. What's he worth? Forty-five billion.
2: Yeah, well, I think okay. he's now the fifth wealthiest person in the world. All right, so uh, Bill Gates is
1: worth like sixty billion. Easily, Warren Buffett throw another thirty-five billion. Uh, what do we get till you put that all together? A little over like a hundred and what something billion? Did right, I mention not even that, close. Did I mention that one trillion dollars is a thousand billion dollars? So if you took all of the assets from the five richest people <laughs> in the world, you wouldn't come close to putting a scratch in a dent in the debt. Do you understand this? I don't want to be so angry. There's a 10 on the Mellish meter. Give me another story.
2: All right, so Super Bowl 50 is tonight. That's something to be happy about. And I'm excited, and, yes. And who do you have tonight?
1: Uh, first of all, I'm going to that big, I won't say his name, but that big Super Bowl party that I've heard so much about for years. <laughs> so I'm very excited to go to this, this Super Bowl party. Uh, I, I, look, you know what, I have two favorite teams and neither of them got into the playoffs. So I'm not gonna do this thing where I can be disappointed. I'm seriously, I want a game that's really good that comes down to the last five minutes that I can enjoy. I don't care who wins, I want a good game. But if you ask me who I think is gonna win, if you said you have to put your house on the line in a bet, I'm gonna go with a team that I think has won, what, 23 out of the last 24 games they've played or something like that, the Carolina Panthers, don't lose very often, Jared.
2: Ooh. No, I, I'm going with the Broncos. I mean, I think that fate is on Peyton Manning's side. I think fate. it's going be. A, is fate playing? I, is fate yeah, fate I, I, up I think tonight? fate is on his side. <laughs> he had a terrible Super Bowl showing the last time around. He will not play that poorly. It'll be a very close game. 21-17, Broncos win in a thriller. He better do it before the halftime show because Coldplay is going to oh. put him in a funk. Coldplay. So if he's
4: not in the lead by the halftime,
1: it's all over for Payne. Yeah, Coldplay is the worst <laughs> the worst band to have because first of all they've got all those like girly songs. <laughs> Who wants to listen to that? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Is That's
4: that your... Chris Martin or Gwyneth Paltrow there? It's <laughs> <That's> both <Okay. laughs>
1: they're still coupled. It's, it's Chris Paltrow. This is before <laughs> the uncoupling. It's an unconscious coupling. <laughs> it's it's a horrible idea. you know what I don't understand also, and they're not the first ones to do this, because I think Bruno Mars and they've added Beyonce. All right, you're a band. And they give you 12 minutes. That's two songs. You can't fill 12 <laughs> minutes. You have to bring in other people, but at least maybe Beyonce brings some energy. All right, guess what? The best reporter in the world is in New Hampshire. His name's Jamie Dupree, and he joins us when we return.
0: Everyone has an opinion, but he's got the Von Hessler doctrine. Eric Von Hessler on WSB.
1: If it's Sunday, it is time to pick up your Sunday AJC. This Sunday, look for a story. uh, It's a look under the gold dome that reveals how lawmakers write themselves out of laws that you have to follow. If it's Sunday, it's time to pick up your Sunday AJC. Welcome back. I'm Eric von Hessler. That's Jared Yamamoto. That's English Nick. That's Autumn Fisher. They're going to step aside for a moment, though, because we have the best reporter, political reporter in the world, on the ground in New Hampshire. Just a couple days before we have our first primary in the nation. Jamie Dupree, welcome.
4: Hey, Eric. How you doing, buddy? I am in Hudson, New Hampshire, which is down to the south of Manchester, heading down to the border with Massachusetts. I'm now at a Marco Rubio event that's just about to get going here in a few minutes. Obviously, Rubio, the big story after last night's Republican debate. I was over at a, an event this morning over on the coast in Portsmouth with uh, Chris Christie and the New Jersey governor, of course, who went after Rubio big time last night. And the Christie people were really upbeat. They think that this is going to be a spark for them, that they showed everybody that Rubio is a basically a rookie, a greenhorn. He's not ready for the, the big show. And, in fact, the first interview that I did, of a voter at the Christie event was this guy who said, yeah, I was for Rubio until last night. Now I'm switching over to Christie. Some of my friends who were with Rubio earlier today said that they interviewed a lot of voters who were for him, but unsettled by what happened last night. So... I don't know if it's going to turn out to be a gigantic gap or just a little thing, but it certainly is the buzz up here in New Hampshire today.
1: Well, I think it should be. I was, uh, I was watching that, and that reminded me of uh, just a prize fight, and the guy that you think is going to win in the first round gets knocked so woozy. I mean, the fact of the matter is Rubio... Pulled himself together and had a halfway decent debate in the second half. But he for the, he, he was woozy, man. That's, he,
4: that's he w- what their people are yeah. emphasizing today. You're absolutely right, Eric. And I noticed that as we went through the debate last night that he, he, he put, did pull himself together. So I guess they've got to hope for two things. They've got to hope that a lot of people didn't see it and or that they're watching the Super Bowl today and <laughs> yeah. forgetting about it.
1: Well, I mean, he walked right into it. That's what I don't understand is Chris, Chris Christie has been telegraphing this since the day
4: after oh, Iowa,
1: that yeah. he was going to go at him it's like all that. all
4: over the airwaves here. I mean, you yeah. can't go anywhere without hearing a Chris Christie ad against Rubio. And, you know, I was surprised because Rubio has a good comeback. He uses it in his stump speech. He says basically something to the effect of, you know, um, everybody always told me, uh, tells me that it's too early. I need to wait. You know, I don't need to wait. There's problems that need to be addressed, but he was not ready for that. I think I, I sort of wonder, was he more ready for Jeb Bush to attack him than Christie? It was funny because when Bush had the opportunity last night, it was almost like he said. Hey, thank you, Chris. You've done my dirty work. Yeah. I'm gonna move on. Well, thats
1: I, I wonder how you feel about this because I—I don't know if Chris Christie is in a position to actually take advantage of that. I understand Kasich's doing quite well in that what we call the establishment lane. There, whoever—if—if—if if, if that momentum that Rubio has has truly been slowed down by what happened last night, whoever whoever makes gains, they need to send flowers to Chris Christie because he was the offensive lineman who opened up that hole.
4: See, that's the thing, is that Christie has been on Rubio like this and been going after him all the time and with a lot of negative ads. And I think it's actually turned the people off here in New Hampshire because if you look at the numbers in recent days, Chris Christie has been going down steadily, whereas Jeb Bush and John Cates have been going up. I went to a Bush event yesterday, Eric. They, were, they had to turn away almost 300 people at the door, and it was a pretty big venue. And uh, friends of mine who've been following Bush the last couple of days said that they've seen that happen a number of times. So it's a much different reception here in New Hampshire for Jeb Bush than a week ago when Jeb Bush had some nice people out there, but it wasn't very much. He's getting much larger turnouts now. Now, yeah. you mentioned John Kasich, the governor of Ohio, who he has been here just sort of over and over again talking about, you know, here's what uh I wanna do. He's a guy that's got a record as a governor, as a member in the Congress, and he's sorta one of those people that I'm not sure you get that many thumbs up from uh say Republicans down south because he's a guy that wants to get stuff done like Christie. They're they're not averse to deal making and getting things done. And Christie, for example, in his event today, Eric, he said if he was president, he would make sure Nancy Pelosi rides on Air Force One a lot with him so they get to know each other. And he he, he told the voters there, he said, I know that's not going to be popular, but that's the way I do my job. So, yeah, you're right. You've got Rubio. You've got Kasich. You've got Christie. You've got Bush. Cruz, Ted Cruz up here, I mean, he's had OK crowds but I don't think it's the same kind of uh, reaction for him.
1: He's, strangely enough, I think he's a little bit like Hillary on the other side. He's looking to go down south. He just wants to survive New Hampshire, and he believes he's, he's going to find an awful lot of support down south. On Bush, my feeling on Bush is that he, at the last moment here, I think it's too late, I think he has discovered that he just need to own his last name, and he should have done that from day one. He should have come out and said, look, my last name's Bush. He should have had his family there with him. But now it looks like a desperation plan. When you bring mom in, when you know you're so far behind, he should have done that from the very beginning and just owned it.
4: Yeah, it's been interesting to watch it. I've caught Bush and uh, Kate and Christy, and Rubio and Cruz all in the last couple of days. And, and it, as of Friday night, I mean, I was at a Rubio event Friday night, and it was an unbelievable amount of people, a huge turnout. You could feel the momentum. Even the first event of today, an hour beforehand, they already had almost 600 people in this cafeteria at a school so even after last night's gaffe, and I guess we have to call it something yeah. uh, in the debate, uh, Rubio's still turning the people out here, and I can tell you this pretty sizable crowd stuffed into this little uh, school cafeteria auditorium here. Uh, you know, they're turning people away at this event. It's not the largest venue in the world, but still for, for New Hampshire, and this is your kind of uh, up-close kind of meeting. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Uh, there's, there's different groups that are doing polling every day. Rubio has basically been going up one point every day since Iowa here. Kasich is the only other one that's been up there, whereas uh, nobody else has been mounting a big charge. And that's why some people look at, at the Christie attack last night and say, yeah, you know what? It hasn't been working. So why would it work suddenly after this one debate encounter?" Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be more if, if it does work. It's because Rubio faltered more than what yes, Christie was I necessarily you are
2: absolutely doing. Absolutely correct
1: about that. Um, uh, now, just like before we before we have to let you go here, uh, the the debate itself, uh, ABC, I thought for the most part had a decent debate, but man, there were some weird parts of that. They couldn't get the people on stage properly, and that led to so, just a very bizarre opening. I thought.
4: Yeah, I would agree. It was uh, there were a few, they had a few technical glitches along the way that did not look uh, that good. It was. Uh, better for ABC if you were listening and not yeah. watching what was going on there at the start. We should mention real quick, Eric, that the Democrats up in uh, at a Hillary Clinton event. Bernie Sanders is just down the road here right now. In fact, uh, it's definitely the state is trending more toward Bernie. You can feel mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton was at an event yesterday at a small college, and she all but acknowledged before she even got going that, look, I know a lot of you here are probably for Bernie Sanders and not me. And then the first. <laughs> Two out of the first four questions were about Benghazi from Democrats. Interesting. And that's... distrust and worry about, you know, had she really told the truth. So, you know, I just sort of note that, you know, as a little kind of thing. You never know if that indicates something down the line. That's a bigger deal. Uh, but it, it, you know, that and, and the Bush event yesterday uh, was sort of an interesting kind of juxtaposition with one guy seemingly coming off the mat and the other person, who supposedly was the favorite, mm-hmm. struggling here in a state where she won a member in a surprise eight years ago.
1: Uh, now you you've you've been reporting on this stuff forever. I've been a political junkie since my late teens. I've been watching these things for a long time. Am I right? I last night in that ABC debate, they did mid-debate analysis. They would go to a commercial and they would come back, and George Stephanopoulos and some I can't remember who the other person was. John Carl. John. It was it was like uh like like play by like color at an NFL game or something. It's some sort of. I've never seen analysis while a debate is still going on. Did I miss it before, or is it truly new?
4: No, it, it might be new. And then again, um, maybe I'd vote for doing it with the uh, Mystery Science 3000 yes. guy or something <laughs> like that. that. That might work out a little better. It just depends on your point of view. Or yeah.
1: the two old guys to the Muppet Show, perhaps. <laughs> that,
4: that, that could work out really well,
1: exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, Jamie, I know uh, you have your uh, – tell people your blog. You're, you're there in New Hampshire. I don't, how many miles did you put on your car in, in Iowa, by the way?
4: Iowa, I think it was about 1,800 miles, I want to say, in a week. And, you know, that's the difference here real quick, Eric, is that Iowa is so much bigger in terms of where you can drive. Whereas here in New Hampshire, I mean, I just was over at the the event with Governor Christie earlier, and it was 45 minutes to get over here, and I went up at about half the state. So it's not (laughs) as big of a place, and you don't drive around as much in terms of mileage. But there's still a lot of running around. And I'm looking outside the window here, and there's still people walking up here, still a big line. There'll be a lot of people who won't get into this event with Marco Rubio.
1: Any worries about weather on Tuesday night? Is it going to be. Uh, decent? They're
4: talking about the snow coming on Monday night now instead of on Tuesday. Uh, this place deals pretty well with snow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, so if it comes Monday night, yeah, it might slow a few people down. But by the afternoon, I think people will be ready to get out there. They're expecting record voter turnout. Uh, they've already seen a record number of absentee ballots be filed, so I don't see any reason for that to uh, turn around at this point in time.
1: So at the way that it, it looks, uh, it, it does it seem to be a toss-up for does Donald Trump is still leading in most of the polls on the Republican side, right?
4: You are correct. Uh, I will note the difference between Iowa. When I spoke to you a week ago at the, at the rally for Trump, the difference between Iowa and here in New Hampshire is you get a lot more people readily volunteering how much they cannot stand Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. You did not see that in Iowa a week ago. You sort of saw people shrug their shoulders. But here you don't even have to ask voters, and they'll tell you right to your face, I can't stand Donald Trump. I never even thought about him. So, you know, New Hampshire is not Georgia. You know, the yeah. Republican Party is different here, and they're more disposed to vote for a person like a John Kasich or a Jeb Bush or a Chris Christie, simply because they like people here who have a record and who have been a leader already. They're not into the to the high-volume rhetoric. It's really a unique difference between here and Iowa.
1: I know he doesn't want to talk about it this way, but I, I see John Kasich as somebody who's... You know, really being vetted for the VP spot. The Republicans have to win Ohio. He's a uh, a popular governor of Ohio, and uh, probably wouldn't hurt anybody being on the in in the VP position. So that's the way that I see him. The
4: only thing I would say about uh, Kasich, I've known him for years, Eric. He can be a real pain in the behind, <laughs> and so I don't know. He yeah. um, he reminds me a lot of a John McCain in mm-hmm. that there's a lot of people who really cannot stand John Kasich within the Republican Party. So I know that seems to make sense on its face, but I'm just not so sure.
1: All right. Well, uh, Jamie Dupree, we will follow you, obviously. You'll be all over WSB Radio for the next couple of days, keeping us up to date as we get to the first primary of the year from New Hampshire. Thanks a lot.
4: Yes. Let let, let me plug my blog real quick. Go for it. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. Please go to WSBRadio.com. You can click on the Jamie Dupree bug at the top. Please take a few minutes check it out because a lot of sort of behind-the-scenes stuff on what goes on here on the road. See
1: you, Eric. All right, thanks, Jamie. Have fun. Stay warm. A little more of this stuff when we return.
0: The Von Hessler Doctrine on News 95.5 and AM 750, WSB.
1: WSB's Kirk Mellis predicting a high around 55, and that is a 10. Are ten on the Mellish meter? Wow! This weather is brought to you by ShoeMate Air Conditioning and Heating. Welcome back. I'm Eric Von Hessler. That's Jared Yamamoto, the guy who just said "Wow." That's English Nick. Mm-hmm. You notice that wasn't an English accent, an American accent, saying "Wow." <laughs> and Autumn Fisher is Wow. Uh, <laughs> <thank> wow. <you>. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I'm not plugged in.
2: Wow. There we go. <laughs>
1: So, uh, thanks to Jamie Dupree from New Hampshire uh, for bringing us up to date. Now, Jared, you have uh, some numbers as far as how these folks are doing up there in New Hampshire. Now, now this is a poll. Was this Monmouth?
2: Yeah, this is the Monmouth College Monmouth,
1: okay. College. College. Now this is before the debate, so we don't know if Rubio was hurt by his, uh, let's call it what it is, Yes, it was a
2: big gaffe. So the pre-debate numbers have Trump at 30%, uh, Rubio 13%, and then surprisingly taking second place is Kasich. So Kasich is uh, second place, and then Cruz is right on their heels with 12%. Uh, Bush has 13%, and then Christie's way down at 6%.
1: It's not surprising that uh, Kasich is—it's surprising to us on a national level, but he is camped out in New Hampshire. I mean, this is his whole strategy. He's been there. He knew that he had voters there, were more, a little more aligned to his way of thinking. Uh, he nominally went to, to Iowa, made an, made appearances, but he's he's got all of his chips in on New Hampshire. I think all the papers— have uh, have come out for him the editorials, yeah. so he's it's not really a surprise that he's doing so well. But does he have legs afterward? And here's the question: See Donald Trump, you know, by coming in second in Iowa, and now what is he up? Thirty percent. Thirty. I mean, that's
2: um fifteen percent higher. Problem for
1: Trump is if he wins by four percent, people say that it's a loss. You know, when you go into these things, you kind of want to lower expectations. So that you if you do a little bit better the way Rubio did people were only expecting 18% and he comes in third and he walks out of Iowa with the perception that he almost won you know basically comes out the biggest winner from there. So for Trump the question is after coming in second in Iowa if he doesn't dominate he's in a situation where he almost has to dominate have a dominating win or else the pundits, like me, dumb people like me, are going to come <laughs> on and say, well, that wasn't much of a win because he didn't win as much, which of course isn't true because you walk away with the same value by winning if you win by one percentage point or or twenty five I would imagine so we'll we'll see if uh, if that stays the way that it is i 'd be interested to know what people think today about Rubio because i'll be honest with you I you know Rubio was starting to catch my eye i haven't thrown my yeah, I haven't given any money to anybody. I haven't really I, I I sign up for all their mailing lists so they can annoy me, but I haven't responded to any one of them. but I was starting to coming out of Iowa i've I've liked I liked Rubio's speech coming out of Iowa and I was really starting to think you know what this could be the guy. And when I saw that he did not have a you know it's like it's like a in, in the NFL okay Super Bowls today quite often. Uh, a quarterback will come out of nowhere. He's a backup quarterback, and he hits the field, and he wins two games spectacularly, and everybody says, oh, he's the next big thing. But in order to be a quarterback in the NFL, you have to have a second act. Because the first thing that you won with... Every defensive coach Mm -hmm. in the league is going to be on you, and all one has to do is figure out your weak spot, and then every other coach knows it. And what happens with these guys quite often is they they rise up, and then they're gone. It turns out they didn't have a second act. Same thing in politics. Rubio has to have a second act, and when he couldn't answer Chris Christie, when Chris Christie said, this guy is just canned speeches that he memorizes for 25 seconds, and then in response, (laughs) Rubio goes into the same canned speech that he gave a few minutes before, it's revealing. So you think Hillary... Think of think of the Democrats. You think Hillary's people didn't see that? We've all thought about Rubio as the best guy to be on stage because he's a great debater. But Hillary's people saw his weak spot, knock him off his game, point out the fact that he just memorizes these things. So he needs to come up with a second act if he's going to be able to take the Republicans to the Super Bowl, ladies and gentlemen.
3: How but about just- that analogy?
2: <laughs> yes. But
3: just because he can't come up with something quick on the spot doesn't mean that he wouldn't make a good president because if that's the case then Trump is the best
1: uh maybe although Trump had some moments last night that uh, at one point early on he said we have to do something About something.
3: <laughs> That's how everything comes off with him. You know what? I would do something really good. I got people on. Well, you know what? It's, and it's, I would make it happen and it would be the best. And nothing could ever compete with it. It's a,
1: you know, it's. And and you, compete with what? You have to be able to do both. <laughs> what Rubio showed last night was that he was not nimble on his feet. And you need that. You need to be able to deal with what is going to be thrown at you as a candidate. And I think that was, for me, when I saw that, I thought, suddenly the idea that he would be such a great candidate in a debate against Hillary Clinton become, in my mind... There's a question, because I didn't see this weakness before.
2: Well, Eric, you rattled him because he was expecting you to endorse him after Iowa, and now the Von Hessler endorsement, Uh, you pulled it off the table right there. That's what rattled him. It all makes sense now. It it should. It should rattle him. It does. Uh, Now, and Donald
1: Trump, by the way, this week, who uh, dropped the F-bomb in front of... I've never seen anything like this. Uh, I believe I have this. here. Is this up? Uh.
0: We're going to have businesses that used to be in New Hampshire that are now in Mexico come back to New Hampshire... And you can tell them to go themselves.
1: (laughs) Now, afterwards, he claimed he didn't say it. And I went and listened to the raw audio, and he kind of didn't. He breathed it. So he censored himself. But we still had to bleep it because Hmm. it was like a breath. So (laughs) I've never seen a—I've been watching politics forever. I've never seen a guy drop an F-bomb. Can you imagine, like, Gerald Ford? Dropping an F-bomb on the way to the White I've never seen it before, but hey, it's it's, it's new days. Maybe that's the way to get elected. Uh, there's a lot of outrage in this world. That's why English Nick is here. We'll get to Outrage Corner with English Nick when we return.
0: News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB.